Welcome to episode 115 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and I am truly grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first or your 115th episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. I'm coming to you from a hotel room in the Windy City, also known as Chicago. Just 24 hours ago, I was in Phoenix, where I delivered a presentation to a very welcoming and receptive audience at the Financial Planning Association Retreat. I shared tips on how to tap into your inner ambivert, that energy that's in between introversion and extroversion. Here in Chicago, I'm excited to be providing the closing keynote for the American Marketing Association Leadership Summit. The topic is about the value of leaving space and silence in conversations and in our lives. One of the points I'm going to share also came up in the Phoenix session, and that is our discomfort with silence. And somebody asked in the audience, why are we so uncomfortable with it and how can we get better? And what I shared was that I think that our discomfort with silence is partly because we've been conditioned to believe that silence is bad. And this can take on many forms, but the one that most obviously comes to mind is that even though we have the right to remain silent, if we exercise that right, it's frowned upon. It's seen negatively, like you are guilty. At least that's been true in the hundreds of Law & Order episodes that I've watched over the past 20 years. And it's true outside of our Miranda rights. At work and at home, being silent is viewed with suspicion. That brings me to my point about our discomfort with it. When we are on the receiving end of silence, we start to make up stories about the other person and the situation. We think, he didn't understand what I was asking. She thinks I'm crazy. Something's wrong if he has to think this much about it. And on and on the stories go, and we descend into a rabbit hole of assumptions, all because of a few seconds or a couple of minutes of silence. In a work environment, silence might be perceived as equaling compliance or indifference. One could be seen as not having any ideas or not participating fully. We introverts who do at least twice as much listening and thinking as we do talking know that our silence often equals processing. The work world may never change to adapt to our style, but I invite us to practice transparent communication. You don't have to start becoming adept at thinking out loud, but it is beneficial if you tell someone, I'd like time to think about this, or let me send you my thoughts in an email. Just tell the other person what's going on, how you're processing, and this lets them know that you're on the case and you've bought yourself some time to think. I do want to say that it is beneficial to become a little bit more comfortable with thinking out loud. One of the great ways to do that, and if you've been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about the power of taking improvisation classes or an improv workshop. It's not about being funny. It's about trusting yourself and being able to think on your feet. So that's something that if you want to, you know, push a little bit, have a little challenge, expand your comfort and your capacity zone, then maybe think about an improv workshop. Now let's move on to my thought-provoking conversation with Chelsea Karcher. Chelsea is a business coach and social media strategist for creative and kind-hearted people ready to turn their passions into profits. 
She teaches creative entrepreneurs and small business owners how to make meaningful money with a beautiful blend of strategic action and soulful personal reflection. Chelsea is a freedom seeker at her core, and her work is rooted in a desire for liberation of all people through genuine self-expression and vulnerable truth-telling. Chelsea has a master's degree in transpersonal counseling, psychology, art therapy, and is a proud graduate of the Social Justice Training Institute. You'll find information on how to connect with Chelsea, as well as links to her Introvert Island book selections and other resources mentioned in this podcast in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. It's a pleasure to welcome you to this episode. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. I'm excited to be here. Well, what is making you smile today? You know, today um, I actually started re-watching The Office on Netflix <laughs> and I sort of took a break from work and I snuck in an episode and that was about an hour ago and that really made me smile. So that was a really nice break in my day. <laughs> Excellent. There's nothing like The Office for a little pick-me-up and to put yeah. things into perspective. <laughs> great. Yes. It makes me grateful to not be in a, in a highly dysfunctional office. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Great point. Well, in order to give people a little bit of context before we jump into the heart of our conversation, I'd love to hear about where you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum and how your awareness of where you are has influenced your entrepreneurial journey. Sure. So I definitely lean more towards the introvert side of the spectrum. I love alone time. I love quiet and I definitely need it when I need to recharge. Um, I also tend to prefer to listen and observe and um, kind of form my thoughts or need to process a little bit before I speak up in groups. And over the years, I've come to realize that that wasn't necessarily because I was shy or that I didn't like to be around people, but actually it was because of the amount of energy it took often to engage in social interaction. Mm -hmm. um, so as an entrepreneur, I really had to sort of learn my own needs and develop my own version of what leadership looks like. And I, I think it surprises some people that I'm an introvert because I love talking to folks. I love public speaking and I'm, I'm very outgoing in the sense that I love being in community. I just know that I really need to be careful about sort of organizing and scheduling and, and keeping sacred alone time in my calendar because that face-to-face -face contact and being in really public areas can often really drain my energy reserves. Well, you mentioned that you've had to come up with your own definition of leadership. Mm -hmm. What have you found characterizes leadership for you? Yeah. So for me, um, I think two things, one, my introversion, and then also just being a woman in leadership. I think I've really taken time to examine what it means to be a leader in the sense of how I want to embody leadership, because I think I learned a lot growing up as a kid, as a, as a young girl, that the leaders were the ones who were the loudest, who were at the front of the class, who had the most to say or the most attention or the most visibility. And I think that always felt really scary to me, or it felt like something that I couldn't have. So therefore, I couldn't be a leader. So over the years, really having the opportunity to honor the parts of me that were actually really influencing people or inspiring people or helping to make something happen, that actually I, I was a leader and people were looking to me as an example of how to do certain things or looking to me as a guide or a teacher or an educator, and that I'm able to be 
you know, kind of humble and and listen more than I speak and really um, be thoughtful and reflective about what I say or what I do and how I'm in relationship. And I think that often isn't necessarily the definition of leadership for everybody. Um, so for me, it really involves speaking less and maybe not taking up so much space and attention or <laughs> at least being really thoughtful and intentional about those moments when I do have the floor and I am in the front of a room, you know, really paying attention to my own desires or needs and really having empathy for different kinds of leadership or different kinds of intelligence or, you know, different experiences that people have, because I think everybody is inherently a leader. It's just a matter of figuring out who you want to be and what feels comfortable to you. And then, you know, pushing those boundaries every once in a while. Cause I also still try to push against the, the conditioning that I have mm -hmm. as an introvert or, you know, try to muster up courage to do things that I think could be challenging depending on what I'm experiencing at the time. But yeah, for me, it's really just been a matter of expressing who I am as authentically as possible and trusting that how I show up is is enough and that I'm okay um, and actually can be really effective in my own way. And it doesn't have to look like everybody else's way. Amen. <laughs> I'm sure I'm guessing I'm not the only one that just said that as, as people are listening. <laughs> and I'm also guessing that your self-awareness about your own leadership style and whatnot was part of what helped you to make the leap to entrepreneurship. Would you tell us just a little bit about the transition or what led to you moving mm -hmm. into that space? Sure, definitely. Um, so my background is actually primarily in counseling and art therapy. Um, I've done a lot of advocacy work, anti-violence work, and working with folks who had experienced trauma. And that is something that doesn't always relate for everyone, that that is tied to business. But for me, it's it's totally laid this foundation where I'm able to connect with people and support them in, in what they need. And, um, you know, I've also got these kind of other marketing experiences, business experiences that have been kind of a do-it-as-you-go learning. So conferences and e-courses and those kinds of things, workshops. So what ended up happening for me is I was in a, a traditional nine to five and actually ended up working sometimes 50, 60 hours a week and, and was really exhausted because, you know, over time, I think everyone else's expectations for me, or at least how I thought I needed to perform in this job, um, really wasn't in line with that version of leadership that I want to be living with and that I, I feel is most authentic for me. So I really started to break down emotionally, spiritually, physically. My body just, you know, kind of told me that, you know, this can't go on like this anymore. Um, and I had a wake up call and I thought, you know, I, this job isn't, isn't not good for me right now. And I need to step away. And I didn't really have a plan. And thankfully I have a partner that I could rely on. Um, so I had the luxury of, of kind of leaving my job. Um, and over a couple of months, I really started to pay attention to my own wellness and also think about how do I want to be out in the world as, you know, a teacher, as an educator, as, you know, a, a partner or a guide to other people and what feels really good to me. And I started to think like creative entrepreneur paths hadn't really piqued my interest before, but I, I really started to believe that it was possible. You know, when I started to see that there were other people out there who had a dream or a passion or a purpose 
And what they really needed was someone who could, you know, listen to them thoughtfully and reflect them and offer them really concrete strategies and actionable plans. And I found that my background in both marketing and communications and therapy sort of merged. And I was able to offer something to people that was really bringing me alive. And and it was very flexible to my needs and my schedule. So I, I decided to really throw myself into it and... You know, I think because I'm able to speak so candidly about, you know, not having an MBA, I don't have a business degree. I'm I'm not sort of one of those folks who's like, you know, here's the three-step plan to make six <laughs> figures fast. You know, I yeah. actually have a lot of mistrust for that because I don't think that that's possible for everyone. And I don't know that it's realistic to give a one-size-fits-all method for success. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's totally possible to do some soul searching, do some reflection and and figure out what feels good to you, you know, how to make yourself feel better more of the time so that your work brings you to life. It doesn't just totally suck your energy. And I found that for me, working from home has been a savior because it a way for me to still feel connected and that I have appointments or I make phone calls or Skype calls. And occasionally I go out to meet with folks in person, but my introvert self feels amazing in this role. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, allowed to make choices. And I yes. felt like um, just my choices were really limited when I was in a traditional you know, very successful and high paying, happy, you know, prestigious job that actually I really didn't fit there. And that what didn't fit for me was um, I needed the freedom to choose and I needed the freedom to make choices that felt really good to me because my health and my wellness really depended on it. And that's sort of, yeah, where I'm at now. When you think back to that time after you left your job, but before Mm -hmm. you identified creative entrepreneurs and and entrepreneurship as a as a path was there anything in particular that you feel like helped facilitate that process like was there a a book a person a coach any kind of touchstone that you feel like was important to your process yeah definitely um i really relied heavily on my own creative process of of making art and also journaling and writing just to really give myself an outlet where I could express with no filter and say the things and create the things that I felt I had been repressing for a really long time. And that allowed me to sort of move through and really kind of forgive the things that I couldn't control and and release some of the tension or whatever I was experiencing. Um, And I used a lot of meditation and, you know, really tried to create an environment that promoted my healing. So I think whenever anyone is experiencing depression, which for me, it was clinical depression and a major depressive episode, you know, you don't want to take care of yourself. You're not excited to be working out and eating well and doing all of these things. So for me, it really, it came down to creating an environment that would give me the most support as possible. So that was finding really good connections and community and finding people that I could be truthful with that really, you know, were, were able to see me Mm -hmm. for what was really happening. And I think also, you know, I love essential oils and I love crystals and all of these sort of different alternative ways of making a space more healing and open. And and I really needed to practice a lot of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So there's actually this really great deck of cards from Chris Carr. Mm-hmm. 
that's called Crazy Sexy Love Notes. And it's like an <laughs> oracle deck, um, with really beautiful illustrations. And, you know, even just drawing a card in the morning and having some kind of affirmation or something to hold on to that as I was moving through the day, I could connect with these little messages. I could practice gratitude. And there's also an artist named Kelly Ray Roberts who introduced me to this practice of every night before bed, you say three things that you're grateful for and also three things you did well that day. Mm, nice. And I I think that's such a beautiful practice because the grateful for piece, the outward expression of thanks is often a lot easier than what you did well that day and really honoring that, um, you know, when, when you're struggling and you're in this place that, you know, finding the moments to say, okay, you know, what, there's got to be something, something that I'm doing well or something that I'm doing right so that you can center yourself in gratitude and really feel like you can appreciate more and you feel more grounded and like you have more abundance around you when you're really grateful and you appreciate what's around you and what you have instead of focusing so much on what you don't have. So art and creativity and self-expression were, it sounds like they were critical to your own healing. And I, I sense that other people might resonate with that as well. But sometimes we feel like our self-expression has been limited, or maybe we haven't found that way to express ourselves. Like yes. I feel like art or, you know, is it art or music or dance mm -hmm. or you know, writing or, or yeah. even something that isn't necessarily traditionally seen as art with a capital A. Mm -hmm. If we haven't found that way to express ourselves, or we feel like that expression has been limited, what mm -hmm. steps would you recommend to help us find that creative voice? I think we have such an interesting relationship to creativity in this country where it's it's seen as sort of this luxury or this gift that very few people have and everyone else just has to sort of deal with it, right? <laughs> we don't yeah. have creativity because we learn early on that creativity means innate talent or mm -hmm. it means that you get high marks in your art class or whatever it is. And I think creativity is so much broader than that and that we have the opportunity to Think of creativity as just sort of a playful way to solve problems. And for some people, that's a playful experiment in your day. It could be trying a new recipe or it could be going for a walk on a different street you've never been on and just paying attention and observing. You know, it could be journaling or looking for different questions or prompts to kind of reflect on. I love The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. It's mm -hmm. an amazing book to prompt reflection on what's happening in your life and you know, anything to sort of get to the source of you, the thing that makes you you, whatever it is, to let it be seen or to let it move, even if you're the only one seeing it, that you give a minute, you know, in your day where you're sort of dancing around the house by yourself to Beyonce or whatever you love, that, mm -hmm. you know, that's a moment of creativity. And to be gentle with ourselves, that it doesn't have to be gallery quality art, <laughs> it could be a coloring book, you know, and that's, that's, yep equally as healing and as important just to have these kind of little things you know you can be crafty or you can do math problems or crosswords whatever it is that stimulates your brain and stimulates I think the sort of heart or core of you to to just feel like yourself whatever that is if you're nerdy or you're creative or you know you're really fun and playful allowing all of you to show up, I think, is the first step, even if it's just baby steps. You're making me think now that my words with friends habit could actually be a creative exercise. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it is. I think it is. Yeah. Because you're playing with words, you're playing with letters. And I like making words and thinking about, so if I were to spell this phonetically, why isn't that legal on this board? You yeah. know, so... <laughs> So anything that kind of takes me outside myself and helps me look at something that I see every day in a different way, like a word. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, I love that you've just given me permission to see it that way. (laughs) That's awesome. And I think there's something too that I really learned for myself in this process of kind of coming home to myself really was that I had to figure out, so I love words with friends. I love playing games and, um, and I also had to figure out when was I numbing and when was I really engaged in a creative practice because you know, some days I would be coloring in my adult coloring book and it would feel, you know, like I was totally present. I lost track of time. I was in the flow. And then other days I was doing it because I didn't want to think about anything or I didn't, you know, I wanted to numb and avoid my issues or whatever it was. And, and that's okay. You need that sometimes too. But I think it's really important to, to really connect to your intention of like, why am I doing this right now? Because sometimes those things can just suck us in for days. You're only, (laughs) you know, your eyes start to feel kind of numb and (laughs) you're just looking at that screen forever. Yeah, that's such a great point. That is, is it about avoidance or is it about facilitating you getting yourself to a place where you can confront Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be both and it can be it can be both at the same time maybe sometimes and yep. and it could be one or the other and what I hear you saying is that awareness of of what is driving that and what's underneath it is what's important and and I would say if you find yourself doing it for avoidance to be aware of that and then to be compassionate with yourself around it and um, and to notice where it tips over into a place that is not as healthy. Definitely. And I think that that compassion piece is so important that we can be gentle with ourselves and, and have a little tenderness and compassion for, you know, whatever we're doing, because I think we all do the best we can in the moment. Mm-hmm. And often it's easy to sort of beat ourselves up or regret things or you know, be really harsh on ourselves in a way that's really different than how we are with other people. So I think that compassion piece and, you know, it's not enough to just be aware, but to trust yourself and to trust your instincts and to lean into the things that are helping you or healing you and kind of be honest with yourself about the things that are maybe not so healthy or or not feeling as great. Yeah. And I found also that sometimes friends can be a great mirror for that. And mm-hmm. sometimes as introverts, it's not our first instinct to reach out to somebody else and yeah. say, can I just vent or can I, mm-hmm. you know, just unload on you? We tend to find more private ways to do that. Yeah. And I found sometimes when I do that or a friend does that, there comes an opportunity to reflect back. And, and I've said it a few times. I'm like, don't talk about my friend that way. <laughs> And then they'll go, oh, yeah, I am sort of being harsh on myself. I'm being overly critical. And, you know, of course, I'm I'm saying that playfully and the relationship has a great deal of trust. Mm -hmm. But I think even if we think of that for ourselves, if I have critical thoughts of myself, like don't talk about my friend that way. Yeah, definitely. And I even sometimes will think about my inner child that Mm -hmm. sometimes thinking about little Chelsea can help me (laughs) feel more compassionate. You know, what would I feed her for lunch? Or how would I, mm-hmm. you know, does she need a nap? Because I definitely am tired right now. You know, yep. yeah, just, just really being gentle with yourself and reminding yourself that you're worthy of the same love and the care that you offer the other people in your life. Absolutely. Well, I want to wrap up this conversation with um, a final question about the challenges of creative entrepreneurs. What do you think is the biggest challenge that creative entrepreneurs, and especially those who are introverted, Mm -hmm. what do they face? And how can we confront those challenges in a healthy way that honors our authentic selves? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the number one thing I'm seeing as I work with people and in myself and, um, you know, kind of across the board is that 
there's no tried and true way to succeed and move up. You think of standard professional roles, you get promotions or you move to a new job and you have a new title and new way of getting money. And I think for creative entrepreneurs, it's a matter of really blazing your own trail. And that is both liberating and totally terrifying. <laughs> um, so there's yep. this, this element of really finding people as your guides and your mentors that really align with your values and with your mission and your purpose, um, but also just with how you want to be in the world. Because I think we often will look at folks and think, wow, she's really doing a great job. I love her success. I love that she's making all this money and she's doing this great work. Yet I know that I wouldn't want to sit across from that person and drink coffee, you know, that we wouldn't actually have that much in common or that perhaps there is something really different about them that just doesn't quite jive with me. So I think finding people you can look up to that you really appreciate is so important. And then also giving yourself permission to do things differently. And I think a lot of times granting yourself permission to do anything can be really scary, but figuring out that you know, if you really, truly only want to work from home and work on Skype, then do it. If you mm -hmm. only want to work on, in person and you want to work with a number, like large numbers of people, do it. But I think you need to figure out what that means for you and, and how much work or energy or resources you're really going to need and, and to have a really strategic plan about it. Because it's not enough to just have, you know, the passion and the excitement. You really have to be able to set, you know, smart goals that are actionable and realistic with timelines. And you also have to really think about, you know, your marketing and how you package it and who are your primary customers and who are you trying to attract to you. And I see so many people attract tons of people that don't actually want to pay them or, you know, <laughs> right. there's this disconnect that happens. Like you can find your tribe or whatever you want to call them. But at the end of the day, if they're not willing to really invest in what you're offering or, you know, pay you what you're worth, then that's not really actually meeting the goals that you want to reach. So yeah, I think a, a mentor is key and not even someone that you work with directly in a coaching relationship, but you know, people in the field who you really respect and trust and see as good resources and then finding your model, whatever it is, and figuring out what's really important to you. What are your non-negotiables? And then also what would really bring you to life and how can you make that feeling happen more often instead of feeling like you're kind of working for other people or being weighed down by expectations that don't match your own. And even creatives can fall into that. And I would almost say especially <laughs> because they think, well, I'm as you're talking, I'm picturing this amoeba and then I'm picturing a box <laughs> and the, the creative entrepreneur is like that amoeba and they're like, okay, so I have to make money. So I better put myself in this box. Yep. And sometimes that box, it's like, I do believe that there's a purpose to a box, but it has to be your box. Like you yeah. have to define your own boundaries, your own framework and those sorts of things. And don't just assume that, um, and even for creatives, don't assume that somebody who has a more traditional framework knows best. Yes. Um, you know, just yeah. like we look at nonprofits and say, oh, they should just learn from the corporate world. Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, yes, there are some things, but it's not like, like you said, it's not like there's just one way of doing things. Yeah, definitely. And I think finding community who believes in what you believe in is mm -hmm. so important, you know, so to not try to find a bunch of folks who have no idea what you do and don't necessarily care about it. <laughs> that's going to be really discouraging because over time you think, is this worth it? Is Does this make sense? Is this the right thing for me? But if you find people out there online or in person who 
are totally on board and think you're doing a great thing and want to talk to you about breaking out of that box or creating your own, which I had this great visual in my head of like a, a bright pink box with glitter and <laughs> feathers glued to it, kind of arts and craftsy. Yeah. That box is not better or worse than any of the other boxes. It's just yours. And exactly. that you can, if you step into it and you own it, people will be attracted to that and they will want to support you. It's just a matter of figuring out, you know, what you want it to look like and what you want it to say about you when other people, you know, experience it or experience you. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for that. That um, That's a really wonderful perspective. And I know that that has, uh, my box, I don't know that it's pink and glittery with feathers. <laughs> I have to think about that. But it is an interesting question to say, like, you know, mm -hmm. if you were to make a box, and, and again, not the box in the negative sense, yeah. but just, you know, if you were to create something that symbolized the attitude, the energy, mm -hmm. the framework that you wanted to be putting out there in the world, what would it be like, yeah. you know? And maybe it's a globe. I don't know. Yeah. It could be anything, really. Could, yeah, it could be a clear marble. It could be all yeah. sorts of, of different things. So uh, the, the point is, is just kind of, you know, open up your mind to thinking about if you had a visual, what might it be? Yes. And how fun is that? So I want to wrap up with a question I ask all of my guests, and mm -hmm. that's if you've been, well, not if, you have been granted, <laughs> and I wish I could wave a magic wand to make this true, but in our fantasy land, you've been granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island, yes. and you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? I love this question, and it is so hard for me because I love my books, but definitely Spilling Open by Sabrina Ward Harrison was the first one that came to mind, and it's this beautiful art journal that she's sort of published into a book, and its subtitle is The Art of Becoming Yourself, and it really kind of outlines her journey as a young woman and as an artist, these beautiful photographs and writing and um, it's just a really beautiful book especially if you're on the beach which I usually take it when I know I'm going to be on the beach mm -hmm. um, and then I would take a book of poetry which my favorite poetry book right now is called Milk and Honey and it's by a woman named Rupi Carr and also has really lovely illustrations there's definitely a, a theme to my books because <laughs> um, I'm an artist and then the last one is the Firestarter Sessions by Danielle Laporte Sure. Which, you know, for folks who haven't heard of it, it's just the most amazing tool for getting to the core and the root of your desires and what you really, truly want and making plans in a way that's truly unique and yours because she helps you get down to your feelings and all that sort of mushy stuff of who are you and, mm. and, and what do you want and what brings you to life. And so that book always, I've come back to it several times. And um, sometimes I even just open to kind of a random page for a little inspiration or a nice quote. And yeah, I think that would be a great package on Introvert Island, which I would love to visit if that were a real thing. But I'm imagining <laughs> all of these sort of singular huts along the beach that are mm -hmm. spread apart just enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. With <laughs> scattered fire pits, should you want to get together, but you know, yes. you don't have to talk. It's not mandatory. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I, after six years, almost six years of talking about Introvert Island, I'm almost mm -hmm. determined to make it happen somewhere. <laughs> I just need to buy an island, you know? It'd be amazing. You know, just get, get in touch with whoever has the means to buy an island. I know. And, 
there's, and you're halfway there. There's a lot of introverts in Hollywood, and I think some of them own islands. So somewhere along the line, I'm just going to put it out there in the universe. <laughs> if somebody's listening and you know one of these island owners, yes, please connect us. That's fantastic. <laughs> I would be happy to lead very nice, quiet art workshops. Absolutely. Oh, how much fun we would have. So... <laughs> Well, how can people learn more about you and what you have to offer? So my website is just chelseacarcher.com. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram quite a bit, which is uh, my handle is just chelsecarcher, C-H-E-L-S, Karcher, K-A-R-C-H-E-R. And that's really where I like to kind of share not only photos, but a lot of insight tips, um, which are really focused on that self-care and self-reflection. So it's not the place to go for really solid business tips necessarily. It's more about tending to your spirit and really connecting to yourself while in business and while doing the work that you do. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your spirit and your energy with us today. I feel inspired and I'm sure those listening do as well. Um, and I will be sharing the resources that you mentioned throughout the podcast and your Introvert Island books and links to get in touch with you in the episode show notes. So thank you so much for being here and for the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to connect with you. After this conversation with Chelsea, I feel even more committed to integrating creative practices into both my work and my leisure time. What about you? What way do you express yourself that makes you come alive? Where do you get into a state of flow where you notice nothing else going on around you and an hour passes in an instant? For me, it's when I'm doing photography. I get in the zone and everything else falls away. It is an incredibly powerful mental vacation for me. It's a lot of work, I will say, but it's enjoyable work and it helps me tap into all these different parts of my brain and um, stretch and get out from behind my laptop. <laughs> so I invite you to think about where you get into the zone and be more intentional about incorporating that activity into your life. And a quick reminder before we wrap up, enrollments close soon for the virtual book group discussion of The Introvert Entrepreneur, which starts on May 3rd, and just a few spots remain for both the morning and the late afternoon sessions. I'm extending the enrollment period by one additional day for listeners of this podcast. You now have until April 29th to submit your form online, so act now to secure your spot. You can read all about the book group, including how it all works and how to sign up on my website, theintrovertentrepreneur.com. You'll find the link under Work With Beth in the main navigation menu, and I will also include a direct link in the show notes for this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your friends and colleagues and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or on whatever platform you access it from. Your review will help someone else discover this podcast, so I really appreciate it and I thank you in advance for your consideration and your time. Special thanks to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes, and especially to you for spending this time with me. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. <laughs>